You're listening to episode 10 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Can you believe we are already at double digits? Creating this show has truly been such a blessing and a learning experience for me, and I cannot wait to continue growing alongside you, my listeners. One thing that really helps us grow as a community are iTunes reviews. So if you have just two minutes, I would love for you to pause this episode and leave the show a review. That is the number one way I can get feedback and we can get new listeners into our community and rise in the rankings. So it would mean the absolute world to me if you left us a review. Do you ever feel like you have a closet full of nothing to wear? I certainly do, and probably all of us have felt that way at one point or another, and you just don't really realize how much your wardrobe and your personal style affects the rest of your life, your confidence, the way you carry yourself, your desire to go out into the world, and how others see you. It is a huge deal. So today's episode with personal stylist Alyssa Harrington of Westerly Style will be a total game changer for your wardrobe and your life because how we feel and how we present ourselves to the world is everything. Alyssa's goal is to help women step into their unique style and create a seamless wardrobe that makes them feel empowered and confident whenever they get dressed. So today, Alyssa and I are going to walk you through everything you need to know about personal style and how you can cultivate your own, plus so much other goodness like body image, health, careers, and more. I already know that this episode is going to be super transformative for you because the conversation definitely was for me. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Before we get started, I wanted to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by my very own workout app, Sculpted Strong Volume 2. This iPhone app is one of my favorite things that I've ever created because it makes the gym fun again. The app takes all of the guesswork and uncertainty out of your workouts. All you have to do is open it up, select your next workout, and follow along with the videos and cues that I've recorded for you. I even have a rest timer and a progress tracker built in. This 12-week program is perfect for anyone who wants to gain confidence, build their curves, get stronger, and sculpt their physique. The workouts are based off of the approach that I use for myself as well as all of my coaching clients and hundreds of women have already seen incredible results. And not to toot my own horn or anything, but I often hear that Sculpted Strong Volume 2 is the most fun yet challenging training plan that they've ever completed. So if you're looking for something that will renew your love for the gym and transform your physique, this is the program for you. For more info and sign up, go to mariewoldapp.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D app.com. And because my podcast listeners are so amazing, I created a discount code that will save you $10 on your enrollment. It's podlove. That's P-O-D-L-O-V-E on mariewoldapp.com. I know that you're going to absolutely love these workouts and I can't wait to see your transformation. Now let's get today's episode started. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm super excited to chat with you and you are the first ever stylist fashion industry type person. So I'm super excited to hear from you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is really exciting. I love hearing your podcast and I love watching what you're doing online. So I am so pleased to be on. Oh, thank you. Um, so just from hearing your bio, it already sounds like your journey in the fashion world has really taken a lot of different turns and you've gone through a lot of different changes in order for you to end up where you are now. So can you just walk us through how it all began and how you got to where you are now, both in your career and just life in general? Totally. Um, so I actually come from a family that is 
a lot ingrained in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. My family is kind of half fashion industry and half music industry. So style and fashion have always been really ingrained in me. Both of my grandfathers worked in fashion. One was a pattern maker in New York back in the day when pattern making was a thing. Yeah. Um, and one, uh, the other one took over his mother's women's boutique in Brooklyn um, after he came back from the war. So he owned that business in Brooklyn uh, from the late 40s to the 80s. That's so cool. And then, yeah. <laughs> and it's like women's underpinnings was what they called it. So it was like ladies' uh, lingerie. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, the photos of the boutique are so cool to look at. Uh, And that building is still there. But we visited actually last year, which was super cool. But yeah, my aunt and uncle on that side of the family as well own boutiques my entire life. So I kind of ran around playing dress up in their stores my whole childhood. And it was like prom dresses and bridal gowns. So that's so very fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine like, you know, when you're a kid, you just love playing dress up in fun gowns. So yeah, as a teen, I was just obsessed with fashion like so many girls are. And I would hoard fashion magazines and I would watch all of the makeover shows. And I would even watch um, fashion shows before I would go to high school. Mm -hmm. So I think it was on like the Style Network. That was a thing back then. You'd watch, yeah, like the runway shows Mm -hmm. to techno music. And that's what I would do while I was eating my cereal before high school. And yeah, at that time, I was kind of in the thick of it, battling an eating disorder. So fashion was a really great fantasy world for me to escape to. Mm. And when it was time for me to go to college, I put my passion to work and I uh, attended the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, um, FITM in LA, and I got my degree from there. And I worked as a freelance stylist in LA and I worked with celebrity stylists and I worked with big brands. I worked at Who, What, Where, which was my fave. Uh, That was many years before they had a line at Target. So that's pretty cool to see. And yeah, I was on track to become a, a celebrity stylist. So I was kind of apprenticing under bigger stylists and I was doing red carpet events and I was doing editorial work. And that was kind of the trajectory that I was on. Mm -hmm. And then I fell in love. (laughs) I met uh, my lovely husband uh, at a flash mob. In fact, I met him at a flash mob. That's so funny. It gives you a real uh, timeline of when this happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Real time in history. Uh, Right. And yeah, so I fell in love. I uh, kind of started getting sick and I craved a little bit of stability. Uh, I'm kind of one of these weird I'm a creative, messy type, but I love structure. Mm, So I really crave. Yeah. Are you like that too? Yeah. I'm totally like, it's a bit of a juxtaposition of like, I'm a very not orderly person in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways I need things like just so. And I also like creating, but I can't create if things are like out of control. So it's, it's interesting. (laughs) I think the the structure helps to like fuel the creativity side of things. Right. You need to be like grounded and have routine in order to be creative in other areas. Totally get it. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I was craving that stability. Also, LA is a very expensive place to live. Mm -hmm. So I liked the appeal of, you know, a steady paycheck, something that I could depend on. Um, And I kind of found my perfect fit with anthropology. I went to work for their store in Beverly Hills And there I worked with celebrities and obviously real women, and I loved it. I really felt at home, and like at that point, I felt like that could have been my forever job. Then my now husband actually got a job offer in the Midwest. So we picked up everything after about a year of me being in that job, picked up everything, moved to Omaha, Nebraska. That's a big change. Yeah, there are clearly no celebrity stylists in Omaha, Nebraska, (laughs) but I continued my career with anthropology. So that became like a real shift of like, this is my career. This is possibly my forever job. This is the thing I love to do. And I really loved um, helping women find those like perfect pieces, help them style their lives and connect on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of clientele over the years where we were connecting, not just styling them, but going through major life changes. So customers that were going through cancer treatments or divorce or getting married or having babies. So it was really awesome to have these, you know, relationships for many, many years. And 
all through that whole time, I kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit burning in the background. When you go work for a larger corporation, they kind of do their best to make you feel like you are an entrepreneur in, within their business. But I think I always had that kind of going on within me. And I come from a family that's just filled with entrepreneurs. Even when I was a child, like in elementary school, I would come up with little businesses to like sell things to my other like schoolmates. Oh my gosh. So definitely it's always been there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, last summer, June 2017, uh, I recovered from a nine-year battle with my health um, and I had a real new lease on life. That's kind of the understatement of the year mm. and uh, decided to go, just go for it and start my own business. Initially, my business was actually going to be a boutique and I wanted to open a brick and mortar store. And I went to a trade show and I was really like meeting all these vendors and I wanted it to be sustainable fashion and I wanted it to be all made in the USA. And I felt really passionately about that. And I went to a few seminars while I was there and I raised my hand the last question of the last day. And I said, well, what do you do if the items that you want to sell to people are going to last them a really long time and they don't need to constantly be repurchasing these items because they're going to last. And the man that was hosting it said, well, that's nice and all, and that's a selling point, but you really do need to be selling something new to them every single week. That's mm. your livelihood. And that like really irked me. That just did not sit, sit right with me. Yeah. So I just was like, there has to be something that where I can still be helping women. I can still be styling women because I imagined, envisioned myself in this store location helping women. That was the thing that I wanted to be doing. And how could I possibly do this where I live in the Midwest? How can I possibly be helping these women in that same capacity? And I was really torn up about it. Didn't know what to do. And it kind of came to me like in through the tears of what am I doing here? Well, I'm in a hotel room in Las Vegas and I don't have a, a store that I want to have anymore because of this idea of selling for the sake of selling. Mm -hmm. So I, it just came to me in this moment of clarity where I was like, oh, I'll be a personal wardrobe stylist. So I chased after that and I, like the rest of my trip that I was there, I just went online and just started go looking into what it takes to start a business and what I needed to put in place to get this going. And now my business is six months old and I help women to define their true style and align their wardrobe with who they really are so they can get out there and live their best life. That's so powerful. One is that you had like this greater vision of the impact you wanted to have on women so that like the actual logistics of how you were going to do that didn't matter so much. Like having a boutique was your original plan, but you were able to serve women in the same way doing something else that's actually a better fit for you. So I think that speaks a lot to the importance of having, you know, like a higher vision and a higher purpose, what you're doing outside of just making money. And then two is that you speak on how you're impacting women like inside. Of course, everyone wants to have like a cute outfit, but having personal style that really reflects who you are on the inside and like feeling confident in your clothing is so, so important. So can you speak a little bit on like the transformation that you see in women when they feel com comfortable and confident in their own skin and like what sort of changes people go through once they figure out what their real style is? Yeah, absolutely. I really empathize with women who are not feeling like their best selves mm -hmm. or if they're working towards that. I, in the past, have really had a tortured relationship with my own body. And I, you know, I dealt with an eating disorder in my younger days and a long health battle that really nearly took me out. So I think the greatest gift you can give yourself is to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think personal styling, in my mind, is part of that self-care picture, you know? So I think it starts with the top down by tackling your personal style and figuring out who you really truly are and what you want to wear and how you present yourself to the world. You suddenly carry yourself differently. Uh, you start being more confident in business meetings. You are putting yourself out there for others to see. And people really take notice of that. I have my clients sending me messages of you know, people are complimenting them on their style that's never happened before. Mm -hmm. Or people just walking up to them and going, you seem so happy. And they attribute that to our time together. So I think for you to live your best life, 
there's something that you have to unlock within yourself. And we all, I think, do that thing where we wait to do X. So you had to buy the dress or get the haircut or go for that promotion or upload your dating profile or whatever it is until you, you know, lose 10 pounds or tone up or whatever that thing is for you. But I really truly believe that living your best life is showing up how you are right now. And I think you can start transforming your life immediately. And I think when you look at your style, that's like a great starting point. You made a super good point about destination happiness where either I'll buy the dress or I'll finally be happy when I'll finally feel confident when I'll finally talk to this person once I have accomplished X, whether it's like lose weight, fit into a certain size, whatever it might be. And it's like a completely arbitrary goal. And you actually, what actually starts happening is you are wasting your life away waiting for this thing to happen, which it might happen, but it also might not. So I too also struggled with body image, body dysmorphia, disordered eating behaviors. Um, I was never like formally diagnosed with an eating disorder or anything, but I definitely did not have a good relationship with food and my body when I was younger. And I was always telling myself, I'll finally be happy when I weigh 115 pounds. I'll finally be happy when I have a thigh gap. I'll finally be happy when this, this, this happens. And I accomplished all those things, but like in the process of accomplishing them, I was not enjoying myself. I wasn't letting myself be happy. I wasn't letting myself be myself. And that is just such like a waste of life, honestly. I don't know about you. Do you ever feel like you wasted years like worrying about those Mm -hmm. things? Because I definitely recognize that in myself. Now I'm feeling it at this spot of like real inner peace and like I'm doing my life's work and I feel really good about myself no matter what I see in the mirror. And I think I wasted so many years waiting on that 10 pounds or waiting on that workout video or whatever it was. Yeah, seriously, so much like time and potential happiness and fulfillment wasted. But at the same time, I also think that those experiences have taught me to like appreciate where I am more. I don't know if I would have the same deep appreciation for just like the present in whatever form or whatever shape or whatever weight it's in. I don't know if I would have that same perspective, but yeah, I'm super grateful for it now. Like for example, I have been dealing with thyroid issues for the last year. So that's come with like some uncontrollable weight gain. And it's been really hard to get it off, even though I'm like a fitness nutrition expert, like I know the right things to do and my body's just fighting against me. So for the last like few months, I've been in the mode where like, oh, well, I don't want to buy new clothes because I want to fit into my old clothes again. Like, why would I buy new clothes? And then finally, I started just buying new clothes in the size that I'm in. And like, I swear my life changed because I actually want to go out and do things and I like feel good in the outfits that I'm wearing and I no longer think about like social situations negatively because I'm not like, oh, well, then I have to try to fit into my old jeans and like that's not going to be comfortable and I'm not going to have any fun and everyone's going to notice that I gained weight and blah, 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 instead of just like embracing where I'm at, buying clothes that freaking fit me (laughs) as I am. It's like, I still look fine. No one's going to judge me at all. And even if they were like being comfortable in my own clothing is so important and it just changes like your outlook on everything. Absolutely. I think I'm doing like praise hand emojis over here. (laughs) Um, Like before we figured out what was going on with me, they've had me on steroids Mm -hmm. for four months, which is like an insane amount of time to be put on a prednisone, like steroid medication. And that makes your weight balloon up no matter what you're doing. It just stores like cortisol and fat. And like, that's what is a side effect. And I got that so bad. And I literally would be introduced to someone new and I would apologize immediately. Like Uh I'd say, hi, my name's Alyssa. I'm really sorry. I've got moon face. And it was awful. Like that's terrible to be introduced to a new person and you're apologizing just for being you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really like interesting, especially when you're in an industry. I mean, I'm in fitness, you're in fashion in an industry where people are judging you for your appearance and then to like not really even be in control of your appearance in that way, like that yes. is really difficult and that takes a lot of practicing grace and practicing self-love and like getting to know who you are much deeper than just your appearance and like being able to be confident in that because you don't feel confident in your appearance. Yes. And it is very much 
like you said, it's grace and it's practice. So mm-hmm. it's, it is a constant thing. Uh, now I feel like I'm at a spot where it just does come naturally, but getting to that point was certainly not such an easy thing. But I think you do have to go through, like you were saying before, I think you do have to go through the messy hard part to really appreciate the good. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many lessons in like that whole journey, but I'm sure you've also experienced women who just, they haven't necessarily experienced like life-changing health issues or things like that, but they still don't feel comfortable and confident in their skin. So how do you go about like shifting women's perspective about their body and how they look and their wardrobe? Because let's be real, like fitting rooms, changing rooms can be kind of like a mental battleground for a lot of women. I've had some really bad memories from them and I've had some really good memories from them and it all has to do with mindset. So like how do you walk women through that and make them feel good? Absolutely. Yeah. I think Plenty of people have had at least one bad negative experience in the fitting Mm -hmm. rooms in their life. That's, I think, across the board, um, no matter who you are. But I think that it's important to do the hard work ahead of time before you go into that fitting room. So if you go in knowing what your true style is, it makes shopping like a really joyful experience. Um, For me and my clients, we've already figured out what their wardrobe should look like. We've got kind of like a blueprint of what items should already be in their wardrobe. And sometimes they actually already do have like half of the items and it's a matter of them knowing what to do with them. And then some of it is shopping. So going into the fitting rooms, knowing what your wardrobe in an ideal situation would look like, the stress is gone because it either fits into your style roadmap or it doesn't. It it just clarifies things a little bit better. And then sizing-wise, I mean, try to think about it objectively. You wouldn't bat an eyelash if you tried on like your dad's button-down shirt and it didn't fit. That is how objective you need to be in the fitting room. There is nothing wrong with you if the size of the item is simply the wrong size. So it shouldn't be a big like life-shattering moment when the jeans don't button up. Just try a different size, try a different style, and just try and feel empowered. It is that mindset shift of feeling empowered that you are taking charge of your own individual identity and that you're ready to show up in the world. Mm, I love that. And something that I read recently too is like when you're trying clothes on and something doesn't fit you, like that's exactly the piece of clothing does not fit you. It's not that your body is wrong and your body doesn't fit into the clothing. Like it's the clothing's problem, not your body's problem. So you change the clothing, not your body, you know, like that should be your first reaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure you deal with bad body image days and Every woman does. I'm sure your clients do. Sometimes you catch them on a bad body image day. So like what's one quick and effective way that like women can make that mindset shift and just feel more confident no matter what outfit they're wearing? Okay. This might be like a little bit woo-woo. So I'm totally like, brace yourself. Yeah, I'm totally Okay. <laughs> Positive affirmations. Yeah. So I feel like there was like back in like the 70s, there was like a, that was before my time, but there was a, an SNL skit of like, I like myself. There was some positive affirmations skit on SNL. I I have that vision. But uh, really positive affirmations when you come down to it, it's telling you in the mirror or to yourself, whatever it might be, you don't even have to say it out loud, but telling yourself that you love yourself and that Mm -hmm. you accept yourself and that you are confident. You say these words enough to yourself and you will have a mindset shift and you will suddenly be more confident and you will actually learn to love yourself. If I could tell anyone to read any book, it is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. It is a game changer. Okay. I haven't read that one. You have to. It's amazing. It's on audiobook too. Awesome. But yeah, it's, I think loving your body, it's a long thing. Like it's a whole process, but by telling yourself, even if it's just in your head, just saying, I love myself. I love my body. I forgive myself. Whatever you need to hear, saying those words continually will bring you like long-term confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of us grew up with a lot of media constantly teaching us to not love our body. Just growing up in like an environment that was very critical of the women's body, we have these negative self-talk patterns like so ingrained in our heads and we don't realize how mean we can be to ourselves about our appearance or anything internal too, like just our self-worth, things like that. And like 
if you grow up and you spend your whole life repeating these negative things to yourself, you will believe them. But the good part of that is it works the other way too. Like if you work on repeating positive things to yourself, you will believe those as well. Absolutely. And I think that this goes for, I mean, the media as well, like whatever TV you watch and all those things. But in my mind, like the fashion industry, historically, it's an industry that's telling us we're not enough as we are. Mm -hmm. It's telling you that you need to lose that weight or buy that thing before you're as happy as that model pictured in the ad. And it's putting that emphasis on what you look like rather than how you feel. And I think that's starting to change and we're starting to see more diversity in magazines and ad campaigns. And I think the fashion industry is beginning to realize that we want to see a reflection of ourselves in those pages. Right. But I think I've learned that fashion and style are two different things. So fashion often comes from a place of lack. The things you need in order to be a complete or for your wardrobe to be complete. And style is more looking inward, looking within and it's loving yourself and your body right in this very moment. It's working with the clothing that you already own. And I think it's kind of a radical thing in this world to be confident in who you are. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Just when you put it that way, it's radical to be confident in who you are. And I love that you actually kind of detailed a difference between fashion and style because that was actually going to be one of my questions to you is like, what has it been like working in an industry where like, the way your body looks and the way your face looks and the way you dress yourself, like those are all kind of tied to your worth. Like style icons are idolized because of the way that they dress and the way they look, not necessarily like the type of people they are. And you see in like, this is such a cliche example, but like (laughs) the devil wears Prada, right? Like the boss is such a mean lady, but she's like a fashion goddess because she is so well known in the industry. So I love that you talked about how style is like more about what you are on the inside, but have you had like necessarily negative experiences within the fashion industry when it comes to like body image or health or any of that stuff? Honestly, I think it's really internal. Mm. So I think that I've never really experienced a lot of external, like someone saying like, you need to lose weight or because as a stylist, you're kind of behind the scenes. Okay, Mind yeah. you, there is this un, uh, unsaid rule of like what people should look like in the fashion industry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that stressed me out a lot when I was younger. I was just more, less informed about who I was as a human being. And I found my worth. I was, I felt like my worth was all in appearance. Yeah. And so I felt like I had to look a certain way to be showing up and doing good work. Mind you, of course, you want to look like a presentable person, especially if you're in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so much deeper than that. And I think that your self-worth is a lot more important than if somebody else looks at you and says you need to lose weight. And sure, there's like online bullying. I, I don't feel like I've been subject to any of that at this point. But yeah, I think if you go out with the intention of just doing good work, and being confident in who you are already, I don't think people notice or tend to care as much as we all think that they do. Yeah, that's such a good point because all of the times that I've been the most insecure about like what other people would think of me are when I'm most insecure with myself. Like I'm not confident about who I am. I don't know my own self-worth and therefore I assume that everyone else is judging me. Everyone else is thinking less of me when in reality it's all like my own projected insecurities, you know? Yes. Because when have you ever like gone to hang out with your friends and you're really picking them apart, right. you know, the way that you would necess- the way that you would be talking to yourself. Oh, never. Never. Yeah. <laughs> so I think nobody really cares as much as we all think that they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good reminder. So going back to the style thing, and I love that you say that it's like a reflection of who you are on the inside and like how you want to present yourself to the world. So for someone who feels like they haven't really defined their personal style, Um, what would the steps for doing so be? So when I'm working with my clients, we'll do a little coffee date. And oftentimes it is a virtual coffee date if you don't live near Mm -hmm. me. Um, And we chat through kind of what they're hoping to achieve. But my process really is a kind of deeper conversation. And we go through a multitude of questions. It's a, a little like a mini therapy session. And we definitely dig kind of deep. We discuss how 
they want to feel when they get dressed, how people that are close to them would describe them, lots and lots of questions and some that aren't even directly style related. And at the end of our session, I walk away with an idea of what these things mean for their style. I honestly do not know what my brain does, but it can make sense of all of this information and somehow kind of create this unique personal style that makes them simply feel like them. And then what I do is I create a style roadmap that gives my clients like an idea of the general vibe, kind of like a mood board, Mm -hmm. as well as a visual guide of actual items, pieces that should be in their wardrobe. And many of my clients already have those items, some of them at least, um, and I'm taking cues off of what they already own. And it just takes a few kind of tweaks to know how to wear those items. And then I also create a download with customized outfits using those items so they can begin transforming how they're dressing like effective immediately. If you are doing this on your own and kind of leading yourself through defining your personal style. It takes trial and error and it takes time for sure. But I think take cues from what you already know that you love. So look at your Pinterest board, look to the movie characters that you love and admire their style. Look at those references and what you're drawn to and pick up on those themes Mm -hmm. and you'll start to kind of piece things together. Oh, okay. I tend to like a, a tailored blazer and jeans or whatever it might be. And you'll start to be able to say, okay, is my actual style aligned with that? Um, And that's definitely a good starting point. I love that. And I think it sounds super fun. Like I'm probably going to hire you after we hang up because (laughs) I feel like I need that. Like I have so many different, I feel like this is the theme of my life is like I'm interested in so many things and there are so many different styles that I find really eye-catching and like fun to wear, but it's not necessarily cohesive. Like I have so many different pieces in my closet, but I'm that person where my closet is full and I feel like I have nothing to wear because I have no idea how to put any of it together unless it's like gym clothes or jeans and a t-shirt. Those are like my uniforms. (laughs) So that sounds super, super helpful. And Obviously, it's super individual as far as like your personal style, but what would you say are like three things that every woman should have in her wardrobe? Before I answer that, to speak to your whole thing of you've got a closet filled with nothing to wear because Mm -hmm. you see something in the store and it's shiny and you love it. I think everyone is prone to that where you would kind of imagine this dream life where that floral blouse somehow will like make you this bohemian goddess. Right. And you like imagine yourself in that world. Um, and so, and then so suddenly that justifies the purchase. So, and then you take it home, you put it in your closet and then you never really reach for it because it's not true to you. Yeah. So I think honing in on what is your actual style and what practically fits into your life um, for you, like you've got, you do have gym wear. So I think that's a that is its own little portion of your wardrobe. But I think figuring out what the true you is outside of your gym clothes, that I think makes it just simpler to get ready in the morning or get dressed for like a client meeting or something like that because you've got less stress in looking at this jam-packed closet filled with so many options that maybe don't feel like you. Okay, and then to answer your question, (laughs) I think every woman should own a great pair of jeans that fits really well. I think a top that makes you feel incredible. Mm -hmm. So however, whatever that looks like to you. It might be flattering. It might just make you feel awesome. And then an item that's like your superpower item. Mm -hmm. So like when you put it on, you feel like a badass. You feel like you could conquer the world and it gives you superpowers. So for me, uh, it's a hat. (laughs) A lot, like half the time I'm wearing hats. I love hats. Me too. And I feel like it's, yeah, it's like a like a cape for a Superman (laughs) or something. I just feel like, yep, I've got this on lockdown when I've got my hat on. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So this is like a more surface level question, but what are (laughs) your favorite and least favorite trends happening right now? And like, how do you feel about trends? Are you more of like a minimalist and like a classic type of person or do you like trends? Do you follow them? What's the situation there? It's a love-hate relationship Mm -hmm. with trends um, because I think like, as a fashion lover, as someone who like comes from that world of like back in the day, who, what, where, like we'd be creating these editorials of like the five pieces you need in your wardrobe right now. And I click on those emails too that are like top 10 pieces for spring, right. or whatever it is. I, I get it. Um, but 
I think over time, it's made me realize those purchases that I have made based on those top 10 lists or top five lists or trend reports or whatever, you can be aware of these trends. And once you buy those items, if they don't fit into who you really, really are and what your real style is, those purchases have just been a waste of money and they just sit there in your closet not being worn. So I think that whatever the season or whatever the year or whatever the trends are at any given point in history, look at them, appreciate them, and like pause for a second and look at your wardrobe, look at your inspiration for your wardrobe. If it doesn't fit into those things, do not buy it. If it works seamlessly with your wardrobe and right now your personal style is really like having a moment, like I like minimal neutrals, but I also like a 70s boho-y vibe too. So like if there was something that was on trend and maybe was minimal or was boho and it fits into what my true core aesthetic is, then great. It's like the the more the merrier. I've now got an extra piece because it happens to be on trend. But I don't think that you can rely on the trends for you to feel like you. Yeah. 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 And I guess if you're constantly just following trends, like you're not necessarily tuning in to like who you are internally, you know, like you're using the trends as like adornment on the outside, but they're not necessarily resonating with like who you are as a person. Yes. Actually, side note, one of my current clients is a stylist Mm. and she does editorial styling and lots of home decor styling as well. So she's in the design world. She's in the stylist world, but she has kind of lost her sense of self a little bit and came to me because she's like, I need to figure out who I am again because she'll get inspiration from these projects that she's working on and it will influence her style to the point where she's actually not sure what the core of who she is is anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a similar thing with trends. You can take the inspiration. You can love on the inspiration. Doesn't mean you have to buy the item. And also, if you do buy the item, just make sure that it really speaks to who you are as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. So yeah, I'm totally a victim. I don't want to say victim, but I'm totally that person that is attracted to the shiny things, buys things because they would like fit a very specific scenario that may or may not happen. Or I'll buy like a whole new wardrobe for a vacation or something like that. And then like never wear those pieces again. And that's where I feel like getting clear on what my actual style is and like what's going to serve me long term would be really, really helpful. Yeah. And I think like if you clarify your style and you've got your core style and a real like sense of self sense of self figured out your style will evolve but essentially the core the core of it will stay the same so mm-hmm. and if let's say you're going on vacation somewhere and you have this dream wardrobe of what that specific trip looks like rather than having an entirely different wardrobe you're just you in that place and it's just right. getting inspiration from that place and you've got a few small like nods to it right Yeah, I can totally be better about that. So um, I want to circle back to the beginning of our conversation. And this is just like a nosy question pertaining to styling celebrities. So who is your (laughs) favorite or like the coolest client that you've ever styled or like a cool story that you have from back in the day? Oh gosh, from back in the day. When I was doing editorial work, a lot of that work was models, but like big deal models Mm -hmm. um, at the time. But then there would be like a lot of like rubbing shoulders with celebrities. Uh, So what I worked at, who, what, where, like I loved Nicole Richie and she, her and Catherine Power, who's one of the founders, they're like best buds. So I would like Mm -hmm. get glimpses of her in the other room. Weirdly, so when I worked at Anthropology in Beverly Hills, there were a lot of celebrities that went to that location and I would just pretend like I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. because I, like my family that is in the music industry, like I've learned just be cool, you know, don't like, don't make a scene. Like they're just normal people just like yeah. you. Uh, and I would just pretend like I didn't know them. So if I was like, can I start you a fitting room? And I was talking to like Penelope Cruz or like Amanda <laughs> Seyfried or Emma Roberts, I'd be like, what's your name? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just being 
in the fashion world, I think I geeked out more over the makeup artists and hairstylists than like anything else. Like people who work for the Kardashians now are like people that I was on set working with and I like die when I see them when I'm watching terrible television. So that was more like the thing that I geeked out about. But I think like the, the, my, as far as like the favorite type of client versus like the coolest client, like my favorite clients are like the real women. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think it's more fun to be, to be vulnerable and open and don't, and like, I think celebrities are a little bit more guarded. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you probably actually make like a real lasting impact on their life instead of just like dressing them for, for an event, you know? Yes, it's a like it's an actual relationship, which is just a wonderful thing because I think it just makes you feel good. It's, everyone's got a happy, warm feeling that you've got yeah. this, you know, part of you fulfilled. Um, and yeah, it's a bit like therapy, but it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, warm and fuzzies for everyone. <laughs> so if you're comfortable with doing so, it's totally cool if you're not. But I would love to hear more about your health journey and what your experience with like chronic illness and autoimmune disease has been like. Yes, it's a doozy. So I am 30 now, but I got sick when I was 20, and it was about a year into dating my now husband. I battled chronic illness for about the next nine years, so basically all of my 20s, yeah. And I had a lot of doctors, mostly male doctors, tell (laughs) me that they didn't have answers. Several told me that it was stress. One even told me it was all in my head. Um, like laughingly. Unfortunately, that's what happens to many women when you go Mm -hmm. to their doctor, when they go to their doctor with health concerns. Um, But mind you, I was in the emergency room in like knock you off your feet pain and it was abdominal pain. It was like my main symptom. So something was terribly wrong enough to like have me in the emergency room, but everyone was really having a hard time figuring out what was going on. They initially thought it was Crohn's disease. And so they treated it as such, even though there were like other weird things happening that were cropping up. Like the longer it went on, I'd get like rashes when I'd have a flare up of pain, joint pain, all these weird things were happening. Um, So it seemed to be autoimmune, but they couldn't quite pin it down. So they thought it was Crohn's for a while. Then when the treatment didn't work, I was kind of not getting any answers. I would go through like major periods of like three-month periods where I couldn't eat solid food. And that would happen like every nine months or so of this nine years. There would just be three months where I couldn't eat solid food. And I was incredibly weak. And in 2013, I had a doctor come to me and say he didn't believe it was Crohn's but didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I kind of took things into my own hands. My mother is a paraplegic, and she was hit by a drunk driver when she was just five years old. And she has taught me, you have to be your own advocate. When it comes to medical stuff, you absolutely have to be your own advocate. So I did. I did an elimination diet. I did lots of research. And I figured out that I have lots of food allergies and lots of sensitivities. And that helped a lot, but I wasn't fully better. So... Many years go by, I just have my weird diet and I just have pain and that's just kind of my my regular life. Um, But then we fast forward to a year after my husband and I got married, got married in 2015 and exactly a year later in May 2016, I got terribly sick, sicker than I had ever been before. I had to pull off the side of the road on my way to work because I had really terrible pain. My inflammation markers were sky high, and they had me, doctors had me on narcotic painkillers and steroids. And as I said earlier, the steroids make you gain a ton of weight. You feel terrible about yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't even look like yourself. My hair was falling out, uh, and I was unable to eat solid food. I was eating, like, baby banana food for months and months on end. So at that point, with no answers in sight and, like, being in this much pain— I legitimately didn't think I was going to make it to 30. I thought, like, this is it. (laughs) It's been a a good run. (laughs) Like, I found love, and all right, that's it. And I didn't think there was much hope. And then um, after all of that, I still had no answers. So I also have endometriosis. So I was doing a procedure for endometriosis, and I told my doctor, while you're in there, can you just scope around? See Mm -hmm. if you see anything out of the ordinary. You're going to be in that. It was my lower abdomen. I was like, if you're going to be in that area, 
you're going to be doing a laparoscopic procedure anyways. Can you just scope around, see what you see? And she came out of that procedure having seen that I had adhesions on my appendix. Oh, gosh. Which can, can be born with it or it can come from other surgeries. I have had had other surgeries before, but it seemed pretty darn rare that adhesions would cause that kind of pain. So mm-hmm. she referred me to a wonderful female surgeon. I had spoken to a male surgeon and he was not super nice. Mm-hmm. Went to a female surgeon and she had this brilliant idea that maybe the appendix was the thing causing the pain for nine years. So once they removed that, they did pathology on it. And they found that it was, in fact, chronic appendicitis. Oh, my gosh. Which is, like, incredibly rare. It's, like, 0.00001% of people. Like, shouldn't happen. Bodies don't typically do that. But instead of, like, it exploding, like, you, you know, you know people that it's happened to or you see it on Mm -hmm. TV, it would, like, leak out the toxins into my body. Oh, my gosh. Just, like, a steady stream. Yeah. Like, have this, like, knock me off my feet kind of pain where I was keeled over. Like that was like just toxic stuff just in my system, which is crazy. And then, yeah, after surgery, I was able to get off 100% of my medications. And now I'm able to live life fairly normally. And I still have like other weird, like long-term things, changes to my body from having these issues for nine years. Mm -hmm. Um, But like for the first time in my adult life, I am living like a normal person and thriving. And it's really just definitely taught me to be my own advocate and to live in a sense of gratitude for every single day. And I definitely, I don't look in the mirror searching for flaws anymore or comparing my body to what it was at a different time. I look to see myself in the Mm -hmm. mirror and, you know, I've got scars on my stomach and they might not be very visible, but they tell the story of what I've gone through. And I see my round cheeks, some of which are natural, some of which are still from those medications. And I see my thick thighs and my hips and and my arms that are maybe a little bit curvier, but love hugging my husband and dancing in our living room to old records. So I just don't torture myself anymore with like waiting to lose that 10 pounds. I just say, okay, I'm here. I'm alive. I survived. And I'm going to show up as I am. Yeah, that is so powerful. Like, obviously, we don't necessarily have to go through such a crazy journey to get there. But once you can embrace your body and like appreciate what it allows you to experience and do in life, like that takes so much pressure off of your appearance and needing to look a certain way when you can just be. Yeah, I think the greatest thing you can do is just show up as you are. I feel like I did waste a lot of time worrying about that stuff, even before I got sick, just being nervous if I looked the right way or came off a certain way or said the right things. And I think that always gave me a lot of anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I think going through this and coming out the other side, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like people just want to be talking to me just so we can have a conversation. And they're not analyzing what I'm saying so much. Like they don't care if my arms are thicker than theirs. They, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of like the good vibes and that you're able to like have a nice conversation or like do good in this world. So I think, yeah, yeah, if you're making the world a better, more positive place, then you're doing it right. Mm, I love that. This has been such an awesome conversation and I want to do a few like rapid fire questions. I've been doing those lately and they're super fun. So if you're up for it. Yeah. Okay. First one, iced coffee or hot coffee? Iced coffee, if it's, if I really, really need the coffee, because then it gets into my bloodstream faster. <laughs> Does it really? I, it's, it's, it's a mental thing. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely drink it faster, so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> okay, oceans or mountains? Oceans. Horror movie or comedy movie? Oh, comedy every time. <laughs> <laughs> Board game or card games? Card games. If they're like Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. One more. Audiobook or paper book? Audiobook. I like that you get to like do other stuff while you're reading a book. It's great. Yeah. That's my favorite. Whenever I'm driving, I'm always listening to podcasts or audiobooks or things like that. So multitasking for the win. Yes. And then remind me what that book that you mentioned earlier is so I can write it down and read it later. Yes. Uh, it's called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. You can literally hear me typing. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> it's okay. a game changer. 
Awesome. I love books like that that are like self-development and just change the way you look at yourself and look at the world because those are the kind of shifts that like really change your life, you know? Absolutely. And we all need one of those sometimes. Oh, yeah. And then last but not least, well, one more question after this, but because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast, we've got to know what is one thing that you're currently grinding toward and what's one thing that you are hugely grateful for? I'm hoping to build my business into something a little bit bigger than just one-on-one coaching. So mm-hmm. I want to do definitely more one-on-one coaching, um, but hopefully in the not too distant future, I'll be able to create like an online course so you can do like self-led self-style development alongside me. And then you never know. We'll see what the future brings. Maybe a style guide one day. I don't know. (laughs) And then one thing I'm grateful for, I'm just insanely grateful for the community of women that are truly like my support system. I'm really grateful to be able to live out my life's purpose with my business and amazing women, online friends, real life friends. It's great. Mm, So much to be grateful for. Awesome. And then actually, last but not least, where can everyone find you? Yeah. My website, if you are kind of wanting to figure out your personal style, all that good stuff, I also put out free weekly content on Wednesdays. Um, It's westerlystyle.com. So W-E-S-T-E-R-L-Y style.com. Or on Instagram, it's my name spelled out, but my name is spelled kind of funny. So it's (laughs) I-L-Y-S-S-A underscore H-E-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. That's pretty much it. I upload YouTube videos if you search Westerly Style um, as well on YouTube. That's part of my content that I put out every week. Okay, cool. Well, guys, go show Alyssa some love. Let her know where you found her and show her how awesome this community is. Alyssa, thank you so much for being on the show today. I learned a ton about style and you have totally motivated me to work on my own personal style. And I also just loved our conversations about self-love and all of that good stuff. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been like such a lovely chat. What a nice way to spend the afternoon. (laughs) I know, right? It's like you're sitting down for coffee. Yeah, I love it. A digital cup of coffee. (laughs) For sure. Now I'm going to go make some iced coffee and get it into my veins faster, according to Alyssa. (laughs) Science. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Alyssa. And I will talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm so happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it. And please leave the show or view on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. It would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women to become their very best selves and create more content that you're going to love. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind and be grateful, my friends.